Okay, so the word that I have for you today is quite simple. Um, I broke it up into a few different sections um, just so that um, it would be grouped a bit easier. But um, I want to speak to you about love and especially the fact that God is love and that He loves us. I mean, that is, that is the foundation of Christianity that is... Um, that is how we can approach God boldly is by having a revelation of the love of God for us. Okay, so the first, um, the first thing I want to speak to you about is simply about um, sort of connecting who God is with what we know what love looks like. Okay, so um, sometimes we, we have an idea of... Um, of God that is different than what the scripture declares who, what love is like. Okay, so if we go to 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4, it says, Love endures long and, in, and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily, it is not conceited, arrogant, and inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. It pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes, is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails. And then it continues. Okay, so... Um, let me just pray. Um, Father, I thank you for your love. Thank you for your presence. Um, Lord, I pray that whoever listens to this um, podcast today, God, will have a, a radical encounter with the love of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So, um, so yeah, so this, if we look at this, we can see what love is like. Now, um, Sometimes, you know, we can look at this and try to become this or like try to figure out this is what I'm supposed to look like as a Christian. But um, ultimately, this is what we're going to look like if we surrender to the Holy Spirit. Okay, so in um, in 1 John 4 verse 16, it says the following. Let me just find it here. Hmm. There you go, 1 John 4, verse 16. It says, And we know and believe the love God cherishes for us. God is love, and he who dwells and continues in love dwells and continues in God, and God dwells and continues in us. No, continues in him. Okay, so we know who... Uh, we know from this scripture, it says here that we know and believe. 
Okay, so we'll get to that a little bit later. But the it says here that God is love. Okay, so when we speak about who God is and what he is like, we need to realize that what happens in 1 Corinthians 13 verse 4 is what life looks like when a believer, you and me, um, if you're a believer, <laughs> um, surrenders to the Holy Spirit. Okay? The Holy Spirit is God. So that's even a great connection to make. Like, um, the Holy Spirit isn't just the power of God. He is the person of God. And he, he, when He comes upon us, we receive power. But the Holy Spirit is love. Okay? The Holy Spirit is God. And so... Um, so just drawing that connection between the attributes of love and who God is. The reason I say this is because we sometimes have a little bit of a disconnect between who, what we expect when we come to God personally and then what we expect God to look like through other people. So for example, if I, um, if I see somebody who is very loving and kind you know, um, someone who's laying their, down their lives for others and um, they're good parents and they love their children and they're just kind and compassionate and caring, these attributes of love. Um, we call that person a godly person or a loving person. But then sometimes when we come to God, it's like we expect the exact opposite. Like it's like we expect judgment and wrath and condemnation and, and it's, not, it's not his nature. Um, you know, we call that person godly, but but I I really believe God that He will like give us a revelation of this that He is love, and if we can get a clear picture of Him, we will have boldness to approach Him because this is the person we approach. I mean, it's very easy to approach a person who really walks in radical love because you just feel welcomed and and comforted and accepted. Okay, so. Um, the stuff we see, love is patient. So God is patient with you. He's not frustrated with you. Love is kind. So Jesus is kind. He's a kind person. Um, love does not keep a record of wrongs. So um, yeah, obviously when we, we yield to that love, our sins are washed away and the blood of Jesus washes us clean. So, um, so we can see the nature of God in this. He is patient with us and is loving and kind. He's not conceited. He's humble. Wow, God is humble. You know, God God shared this with me um, and it's really blessed me that the humility that Jesus had when he um, when when he became man. I mean, here like we have like Christian lingo, right? We have like um like I'm a son of God or you know we speak about God but do we realize who we're speaking about um, do we know what it means to be a son of God um, like God is literally um, Jesus is the word that's spoken everything that exists is held together by him and he's like the Lord of glory is the name above every name and um, he's the word that was in the beginning with God he's the ancient of days and um and he humbled himself to just come live in a human body. Like, 
I don't know if you've ever like flown in an airplane and you look down and you just see these little specks down there and like, wow, people live their whole lives down there. You know, God is even greater than that. He has a greater perspective. He's so much higher. He's everywhere at the same time and he can see everything. And yet he humbled himself and said, okay, you know what? I am going to become a human being. But more than that, I'm not just going to become a human being. I mean, even if he became a human being and he was like Lord over all the human beings, in the natural, you know, that would be would have been even sort of a unique step to take. But he actually, um, he actually lowered himself to like sort of like the lowest point. He he was completely innocent, completely pure, and he literally became sin for us on the cross. Okay, so I mean that's quite quite awesome humility. And so <laughs> I mean, I I mean that is just next level um you know i i had this thought like um the word says that jesus is not ashamed to call us brethren and man uh, that's that's a big deal you know like i was destined for hell and then jesus saved me and now suddenly he's he calls me brethren like brother and that's actually one of the reasons they crucified jesus because jesus said he's the son of god and th that um family connection that he made by saying that instantly brought him to a place where he was on that level so if jesus calls you brother he's really lifting you to a very high place of honor in his kingdom uh, and you just received it by grace by believing so um so just a a, a word about the humility of jesus so i mean that, that's one expression of love it is humility Okay, so now God is love. And um, I mean, let's look at Galatians. Galatians 5 verse 22. And this, this sort of just continues on that, that same point about, um, about the nature of God. You know, when we speak about the fruit of the Holy Spirit, it's again the same thing. It's like we... We say it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit, but we need to really grasp that the fruit is the fruit which comes out of the nature of the person. So when you find the Holy Spirit himself, like, yes, the fruit is the fruit that the Holy Spirit bears through me. But that means if I come to the Holy Spirit, that is what he is going to be like. So when I come to him. It says here, but the fruit of the Holy Spirit, the work which his presence within accomplishes, is love, joy, gladness, peace, patience, and even temper, forbearance, kindness, goodness, benevolence, and faithfulness. Okay, so fruit of the Holy Spirit is peace, it's joy, it's love. That means any experience opposite to that is not God. <laughs> He's not allowing it. He's not causing it. He is your joy. He is your peace. He is kind. You know, the word said the Lord is kind and compassionate. <laughs> you know, so um, so so again, this is this is the person that we get to have a relationship with. This is what we can expect when we come to God is kindness and gentleness and meekness and humility. And um, I mean, the Holy Spirit is gentle. If we make space for him, he's going to move and he's going to touch us and it's going to be powerful. If we say, no, we don't need you, he's still going to be with us. He's just going to say, okay, do your thing. 
<laughs> he's just humble. He knows who he is and, and he's humble. Okay, so um, let's look at 1 John 4, verse 7 to 8. Let me just find it here. Man, this is a powerful word just about the love of God. I'm actually preparing. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching a message tomorrow. So this is my preparation. So I thought let's make it available as a podcast. So um, it's, the podcast is going to come up out after I preach the sermon. But uh, it's fine. <laughs> so um, 1 John 4 verse 7, it says, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is springs from God, and he who loves his fellow men is begotten, born of God, and is coming progressively to know and understand God, to perceive and recognize, get a better, clearer knowledge of him. Okay, so again, um, the connection here is love is from God. So as I fellowship with love, um, this is what the fruit is going to be that um that we love others and then other people can look at us and see oh okay this guy has a relationship with god because the person i'm having a relationship with is going to be reflected through my life now um this is powerful so so just grasping getting a revelation of who god is um the amazing thing is when i share a message like this Yes, the intellectual content, it's nice and it, it blesses you to hear the scriptures, but um, see it more as a prophetic me me message. Um, some, sometimes if you sit in a sermon and if the preacher is speaking under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, uh, what happens is that that message, um, the, the whole message is a prophetic word. So yes, we prophesy um, personally to people, but if you can learn how to listen for what the Spirit of God is saying, um, you are going to really encounter Him. So I want, while you're listening to this, to really open your heart so that you can um, encounter the Holy Spirit. Okay, so, um, so I agree with you for that. Now, it's one thing to hear that God is good. It's another thing to really experience Him. Okay, so let's go to Psalms. Let me just find it here. Psalm 34, verse 8. It says, O taste and see that the Lord our God is good. Blessed, happy, fortunate to be envied is the man who trusts and takes refuge in Him. Okay, so the invitation here is to taste and see. So you've heard it now. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, God is love. Galatians 5.22, um, the fruit of the Spirit, that is what it is like. But at some point, you just, you just need Him to show you what it looks like. And, um, and for that, God, I really believe God wants to give you an encounter with His Spirit today. Okay, so um, I want to encourage you that there's different ways that people encounter the Holy Spirit. Some people experience laughter. Other people cry. Other people fall in the Spirit. Other people just stand there and experience peace. Um, trust, trust the way that the Spirit of God is ministering to you. 
Um, everyone has a unique relationship with God. And if you see a, a manifestation that you desire, ask him for it. But then just enjoy enjoy the ways revealing himself to you. What it comes down to is meeting, meeting with the person and however he chooses to reveal himself. And that is what is going to be going to be powerful. Okay, so um, that was the first section. So the next section is I'm going to speak about how God proved his love towards us. So let's go to Romans. Let me just find it here. Hmm. It's in the Bible. Romans is in the Bible. Okay, Romans 5, verse 8. It says, But God shows and clearly proves his own love for us by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, died for us. And I think we can really tie that to the humility of Jesus in verse 7. It says, But now, uh, now it is an extraordinary thing for one to give his life even for an upright man, though perhaps for a noble and lovable and generous benefactor, someone might even dare to die. Okay, so someone might die for someone who's noble or fights for a cause or something. But this is verse 8, but God shows and clearly proves his love for us, his own love for us, by the fact that while we were still sinners, Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, died for us. So while we were sinners, Christ died for us. So um, that was the proof of God's love, was Jesus dying um, for us. Now, if we go to 1 John 4, verse 9, just find it here. 1 John 4, verse 9, it says, In this, the love of God was made manifest, displayed where we are concerned, in that God sent his Son, the only begotten or unique Son, into the world so that we might live through Him. In this is love, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Okay, so the um, love of God was made manifest in that God sent His Son um, so that we into the world so that we might live through him in this is love okay not that we loved god so we cannot stand on our own love we need to stand on god's love for us but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation the atoning sacrifice for our sins okay so the same declaration is made that um the love was expressed and god proved his love okay so now I want to paint a picture of what exactly did, did Jesus do to prove the love of God. Because, you know, um, he paid a price. And it's something that when we preach it, there is power. And so I'm going to preach it. <laughs> okay, it says here in Isaiah 53 verse 4, it says, Surely he has borne our griefs, sicknesses, weaknesses, and distresses, and carried our sorrows and pains of punishment. Yet we ignorantly considered him stricken, smitten, and afflicted by God, as if with leprosy. He was, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our guilt and iniquities. 
the chastisement needful to obtain peace and well-being for us was upon him and with the stripes that wounded him we are healed and made whole all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and the lord has made to light upon him the guilt and iniquity of us all he was oppressed yet when he was afflicted he was submissive and he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and as a sheep before her shearers is dumb so he opened not his mouth by oppression and judgment he was taken away and as for his generation who among them considered that he was cut off out of the land of the living for um, the transgression of my people to whom the stroke was due and then he goes on so isaiah 53 is a prophecy of what jesus would come and do for us on the cross now um god wants us to feel his love but even if we don't we come to him through faith okay the the feelings isn't necessarily bad but the foundation on on what we base our relationship with god is faith the feelings follow the faith Okay, it starts with faith and it ends in a manifestation. Okay, now I'm going to share about what, what Jesus went through for us. Um, I, don't, I don't think we always fully grasp what he did for us. Jesus, um, he, it's, it says that by his stripes we are healed. Now, the stripes that it is referring to is that Jesus was whipped and beaten and his flesh was literally physically torn um, open. Okay, so, um, so he was extremely beaten. Okay, blood was flowing. It was, it was extreme. Um, they took a crown of thorns and they placed that crown of thorns on his head. Now, um, what's so powerful about that is, to me, that, that represents the torment that we ex sometimes experience that, that is in the minds of people. So, the, the crown of thorns that Jesus experienced on his head, it wasn't, he was mocked. <laughs> it was mocking him. But he also experienced that pain <laughs> so that you can experience peace and freedom in your mind um, Jesus doesn't want us to be burdened Jesus um, I mean if I just like stump my toe too hard I don't want to be carrying chairs around <laughs> or you know like the, the <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do that because it's painful but Jesus he was torn he was bleeding and they forced him to carry a heavy cross up up a mountain up a hill um i'm just trying to paint the picture of this is what jesus went through and um, this is the exchange that happened is all of our burdens he carried and the cross is such a beautiful picture of me is like jesus carrying such a heavy burden and the amazing thing is is jesus laid down his life so, so they didn't take it. 
So Jesus was tempted to not do it. Okay, so he was sweating blood in the garden, asking the Father if it's possible that this cup pass from me. <laughs> so it is. It was a hard thing for him to go through, and temptation came to him even while he was on the cross. Um, people crying to him, uh, telling him to take himself off from the cross. Um, if he was, you know, if he's so all powerful, he was. He actually had the ability, but he was. Just he was actually dying to save them um, if they were to believe. So, um, so Jesus literally went through all of that. So um, the wounds that he had because of the, um, but because of the spiker that went through his hands and through his feet and the crown of thorn on his, uh, on his head and, and hanging on the cross and the beatings and, and then also spiritually all of the sin of the world just coming upon him all of that that is the love of god so if you ever wondered does god love me this is the proof of that love um something that will really really help uh, all of us is if we can look away from the things that we the natural things we want to receive from god um god wants us to ask and to receive and to have those things okay but we need to see the value of what he's already done for us. So um, I cannot use whether I've already received what I asked as a measure saying, well, God loves me or God doesn't love me. Um, that is just a question, question of, of really trusting God and learning how to ask and receive. But there is a place above that. Uh, where his presence is more valuable to you than whatever you can receive from him. Now, that doesn't exclude the things we receive from him. The things that he gives us is him. Okay? It's, his, it's his blessing. It's from him. But there is a higher place of value for God's presence, where the word says, seek first the kingdom of God and all of these things will be added. And so if we can learn how to value what Jesus has already done for us, we um, we can get out of a cycle of disappointment um, or an expectation or an offense towards God. Because if you have this revelation of what Jesus has already done for you, um, those other things sort of pale in comparison. And it's actually out of that revelation that those other things are fixed. So instead of looking at the thing that you're still trusting God for, give it to him. But then look at him and what he did for you, because that what he did for you is, is well, is, is where the other things flow from anyway. Um, but that is where where the power is, is is in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so I hope that helps you. So um, this is what Jesus did for us. Um, he went through that. So that is the proof of God's love. Whether you've asked and received. We're all growing in faith, learning to ask and receive. But that is not the measure of whether God loves you or not. Um, it can show you. It, it can be a manifestation like you asked and received and suddenly God reveals his love for, for you. Um, but if you're still on a journey in that area or in a certain area, just realize you can always come back to this. This is the foundation. God proved his love for you on the cross. And, and that is your starting point. Okay. In... Uh, 
Okay. So, um, I just want to read 1 John 4 verse 10 again. And um, this is the approach that we, we have towards God. Actually, verse 19, he says, We love Him because He first loved us. Verse 18, he says, There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, complete, perfect love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. For fear brings with it the thought of punishment. And so he who is afraid has not reached the full maturity of love, is not yet grown into love's complete perfection. We love him because he first loved us. Okay, so let me just put it in here. 1 John 4 verse 19. Thank you for being a part of my sermon prep. That's cool. Okay, so I, 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 I'm just writing down some of the scriptures I want to share. Okay, so um, it's here. 1 John 4 verse 19. No fear in love. Okay, so... That is sort of leading into the next um, thing that I want to speak about is the standing that we have because of love. Okay, so in verse 18, 1 John 4, it says, There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but full-grown, perfect, complete love turns fear out of doors and expels every trace of terror. Okay, so um, there is no fear in love. Love casts out fear. It says, because fear brings, brings with it the thought of punishment. Okay, so what love drives out is the thought of punishment. <laughs> okay, so love drives out condemnation. Love drives, out, drives that out. So why can I say that? Well, when we speak about the forgiveness of sins, um, the forgiveness of sins has, has substance behind it. The blood of Jesus is the forgiveness of your sins. Um, it's not just God deciding today I want to forgive you and tomorrow if you're very sorry then I'll forgive you. That's not the way God operates now. What God did is he sent Jesus to die on the cross. And that sacrifice, when we receive it, that is the forgiveness of sins. Okay, so let's go to Ephesians 1. Verse 67. Okay, so um, the expression of love is forgiveness. So Ephesians 1 verse 6, it says, So that we might be to the praise and commendation of His glorious grace, which He so freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. I just want to read the King James here. It says, To the praise and glory of His grace, wherein He has made us accepted in the Beloved. Okay, so that is one of the first things we can expect from God is no rejection, no condemnation, just absolute acceptance. Okay, and it says verse 7, In whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. Okay, so we have redemption. Okay, so it means we have been bought. We've been bought with the blood of Jesus. And through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his free grace. Okay, I'm on 30 minutes, so I'm going to end this. Um, I'll call it part one. Um, and thank you for listening.